This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, everyone. What's going on? How you doing? What's up? Episode 248, future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast. Thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the show. really means a lot to me. If you've not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Got some Buffalo Bills-related content coming up in just a few minutes here. Um, a couple things before that. I got to start off negatively. I, I have to do it. Big thumbs down to... The Bleacher Report. I mean, what the hell? Tyler Dunn, one of the best sports writers, like literally in the country, got let go this week by Bleacher Report. Of course, Tyler is a Western New York native. I know him very well. Worked for the Buffalo News. Uh, I don't get it. I haven't had a chance to talk to him personally yet. I'd like to find out more. I'm sure he's going to be back on his feet. I mean, we say that about everyone when they get let go but I mean this guy's a special writer I'm sure he'll be back soon but Jesus man what a a fucking terrible thing that is man it's 2020 in general for sports writers I mean it sucks for all of us but sports writers have been hit hired too I don't know how much the pandemic had to do with Tyler specifically but uh we've seen it in Buffalo already a couple times Paul Hamilton got let go after 25 years from WGR earlier this year fortunately for him he's landed Semi back in his feet. He's at WGRZ TV. Uh, Joe Yurden, of course, on the Athletic, my man, got let go this year. So, God, just uh, freaking horrible, man. And I'm going to tell you what, too. And then I'm going to jump into today's show. I almost didn't do a show today. I'm being completely honest with all you guys. Um, everything is just going on. I just really have had a difficult time wanting to talk about sports right now. It just seems so irrelevant. It really does. I'm taping this Thursday afternoon for a Friday release. Uh, the NBA's postponing games again. Now the NHL is not playing tonight. I'm not sure about Major League Baseball yet if all the games are canceled, but they probably will be. It's just crazy. All this shit going on, man. It really is. It's it's bad. It's, it's tough. And uh, it's frustrating, man. It, you know, it really truly is. And... I'm getting to a point where it's just, it's hard to want to, to want to talk about sports, like I said, but I, I'm going to do it today because I understand that I have a lot of subscribers and loyal listeners, and that means a lot to me. And people need, if maybe sometimes some sports talk or a conversational interview, whatever it may be, it's just a nice little a break from uh, everything that's going on. So I will do a show today, but I'm going to say this as well. It's going to be probably laced with warts, <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm not going to do a lot of editing. In fact, I'm not going to do any editing 
uh, to use a golf term, I'm stepping up on the tee right now as I talk and grip it and rip it, baby. That's all I want to do. Grip it and rip it today. Warts and all. So I'm going to put this episode out for you today. And again, I'm very appreciative to everyone who's tuning in. I always am. But then I'm going to get away for a couple days. Get away from social media because it's just such a cesspool. It really is. I talk about this from time to time on the show. It's just a cesspool. It's so ugly in so many ways. Now, I know there's a lot of good things about social media. I've met some good people on there. I've been able to set up a lot of interviews through social media. I'm able to promote the podcast through social media. I find out news instantly through social media. But the ugliness just really rears its ugly head in tough times. And that's what we're going through. I just got to need a cleanse. I need a, I got to get away for a few days. Simple as that. So again, fact, I'm going, I live in Florida now. I'm going upstate about seven hours from now or seven hours up north, I should say, from where I live to see my daughter. My daughter's in the Air Force and I have not seen her yet in 2020. So this will be the first time she's stationed now down here in Florida for training for a couple weeks. Going to make that trip, and it just couldn't come at a better time. Not just because I miss her, of course I do, but again, I just, no social media. I don't want to hear about anything going on in this world except my own family over the next couple of days. Really looking forward to that. Uh, shout out, by the way, too. Tuesday's show, Joe Miller, and I'm shouting him out because he kind of leads into a topic that I'm going to talk about today. But I had Joe on the show Tuesday, and it was a lot of fun. And if you didn't listen to it, go back and do that. Joe Miller, of course, is the host of the voice of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, part of the Buffalo Fanatics community over there, and uh, those guys do great work. But Joe and I had a great conversation. We talked some football, but we also spent a lot of time talking about podcasting. I love talking about podcasting. I love it as a as a form of art, so to speak, just kind of like music or painting, drawing. It's what I consider podcasting. We had a really good conversation. It was a lot of fun. So go back and check that out. But anyway, that kind of leads into what I want to talk about for today's show. Because about a week or so ago, I was on YouTube. Joe and uh, Jay Spence the King, two guys from Fanatics, they have a weekly live stream on Wednesday nights on YouTube. I think it's called uh, Hump Day Hotline. So I was listening to that. And one fan or one topic, it came up. I don't exactly know how it came up, but It was a discussion about the best players from the drought era of the Buffalo Bills. And I just, I don't know, I kind of locked in and I found it really fascinating. And it kind of inspired me to have a topic for today's show. Well, that, and then on Twitter earlier this week, uh, Steve Mathis, who's also part of Buffalo Fanatics, had some kind of tweet out about drought players. And it really got me thinking. I was like, all right, so I take the 2020 Buffalo Bills And I like to power rank like literally everything. TV shows, albums, you name it. I could power rank just about everything. Anyway, I started thinking in my mind, I'm like, I would love to power rank players from the drought era of the Buffalo Bills in order that I would love to have one of them. If you could take one player from the drought era and put them on the 2020 Buffalo Bills that would help this team this year in 2020, who would it be? I think it's a good topic. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Not getting paid by the hour. So going to take, uh, not going to take too much time talking about at least some of these guys anyway. 
uh, for you listening at home or wherever you are. Certainly want your reactions to that, your thoughts. Uh, tweet at me at Pamoran Tweets or hit me up via email, talkbuffalopodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts. But anyway, so these are going to be my top 15 power ranked Buffalo Bills drop players. If I could take one and one only and put them on this year's roster, that would help them win. And I got two rules too, by the way. For a player to be on this team, they had to play in at least three drought seasons. They didn't have to play their entire career during the 17-year drought, but they had to play at least three seasons of Buffalo Bills drought football to be eligible. I preface that because I do have two players on this list that did play in a playoff game. One of them played in the 2017 playoff game, and then the other guy played in the 1999 playoff game. So I wanted to put that out there so you know that ahead of time. And then the other rule I had was I took into consideration what they did as a Buffalo Bill. I really don't care what a player did before they got to Buffalo, or I really don't care what they did after they left Buffalo. So it was what they did exclusively while a member of the Buffalo Bills during the drought that would enable them to be on this list. For an example, uh, Nick Barnett was a great linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, but I can't consider him because as good as he was in Green Bay, wasn't that good in Buffalo. That would also wipe out a lot of big names who were like great players, maybe even Hall of Fame caliber players. In fact, in one case, literally a Hall of Famer who had their careers before they got to Buffalo and then they were a shell of themselves while they were a bill. Guys like uh, Lawyer Malloy and Troy Vincent, uh, Percy Harvin, Terrell Owens, that's the big one when I said literally a Hall of Famer. Sure, he's a Hall of Fame guy, but he wasn't a Hall of Famer as a Buffalo Bill. You know what I'm saying? So none of those guys are eligible for the list. So that being said, top 15 power ranked. Uh, Let me start by doing this, actually. I'm going to, I had eight guys that I wanted to give honorable mention to. They didn't make the list, quite make the list, but they're at least worth noting. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Fred Jackson, Paul Blazuzny, Brian Mormon. I just, the fact that I got to explain why Brian Mormon is not on the list is kind of sad and tells you how much this drought was with the Bills. But yeah, 17 year drought. Maybe one of the best players during that drought, certainly the best punter in franchise history. But man, you get one guy to take from this list and put him on this year's team. He ain't taking no freaking punter, man. It's just not going to happen. So Brian Mormon, uh, Jarius Bird. Again, Jarius Bird is a great player, but is he a fit for the 2020 Buffalo Bills? You know, if you can only take one guy, why would you take Jarius Bird when you already have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, two very good safeties, one of the better tandems in the NFL. So as good as Bird is and as good as of a talent as he was, I just, I couldn't put him on that list. He didn't make the top 15 anyway. Um, Marcel Darius is on there. Honorable mention to Sam Adams. And then last but not least, Shaquille Spikes. And I mentioned him last because I very badly wanted to put an outside linebacker amongst the top 15. But here's a spoiler alert. There's none of them on there. And that's because Spikes, you know, basically, again, he was great with Cincinnati and he would have had a great Buffalo Bills career, but he only was good for one year. Then he got hurt. Very unfortunate, very sad. Really wanted to have him on there because I think outside linebacker is definitely a position that the Bills 
could use a nice upgrade for right now. I mean, you got AJ Klein, Lorenzo Alexander's gone. But there's just, when I looked at this roster, or rosters, I should say, over those 17 years where the Bills didn't make the playoffs, I was kind of blown away at how many, at the lack of, I should say, of quality at linebacker. I mean, guys like Sam Rogers, I don't even know. It makes He might have only been there for a year or two during the drought. Uh, Keith Newman, just a bunch of guys like that. Angelo Corral, they're not top 15 worthy, but that was that's a position in need, but I just couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it with uh, Tequil. So anyway, I do have 15 lists, or 15 on the list, I should say. Again, words and all, not doing any editing today. Um, let's start at 15. I have a tight end, Scott Chandler. Very good tight end for the Bills, uh, 2011 to 2014. I look at this year's roster, and I like Dawson Knox a lot. I think he has a boatload of potential to be a very good tight end going in the year two. Tyler Croft is okay, but is he proven to be healthy? Do you know for sure that Dawson Knox is going to make that leap in year two? You take a guy like Scott Chandler, what a great red zone target. What a great safety valve kind of guy he would be for Josh Allen. He had 47, 53, 43 receptions over... Three full seasons with the Bills. He's uh, 11 touchdown receptions. Definitely an upgrade. Worst case to me is he would be an upgrade over Tyler Croft for sure. And if Dawson Knox becomes a great tight end, I mean, I see like Jeremy Shockey level potential at least with uh, with Dawson Knox. But whether that happens or not, Scott Chandler would be a great at worst second tight end. A good fit for this year's Bills. Again, these aren't necessarily... The top 15 players are in the drought era in terms of talent. We're power ranking these, ranking these in terms of how they would fit onto this roster. Like if you could take one guy and put him on this roster right now to help this team be better, that's how we power rank them. So I got Scott Chandler at 15. Number 14, I have Marshawn Lynch, running back. He's with the Bills from 2007 to 2010. Then of course he got traded to Seattle. Look, I like the Bills running backs a ton right now, and I mean a ton. I am much higher on Devin Singletary than most. And in terms of Zach Moss, I like the pick a lot. I like him as a prospect a lot. I think worst case this year, as long as he stays healthy, he should be better than the 2019 version that we saw of Frank Gore at 36 years old. Just more juice to him. He can catch the ball a little better. Good runner. I like Zach Moss a lot. However... He hasn't done anything in the NFL yet. You never know with a rookie, no matter how touted they are, no matter how good of a prospect they are. The truth is you never know with a rookie until you physically see them do it on an NFL football field. So you get a chance to take a running back like Marshawn Lynch. If Zach Moss does everything we want him to do, if he becomes everything we want him to be, he's basically going to become Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn ran for... Over 1,000 yards his first two years with Buffalo. 15 touchdowns. He can get in the end zone. Catch the ball a little bit. So that's kind of an easy choice there. And some, you know, I, I thought about putting him higher. But again, I really like the potential a lot of Singletary and Moss and running back. But yeah, man, Marshawn Lynch to me, definitely an upgrade. I'd love to have, you know, 2008 Marshawn Lynch on this team right now. Uh, moving on to number 13. I got Terrence McGee, cornerback, played with the Bills from 2003 to 
2012. Spent seven years as a full-time starter. I was always a big Terrence McGee fan. Liked him a lot. And here's a spoiler alert, guys. He's not going to be the only corner on this list of 15. And that's because I consider CB2 for sure a very dangerous position on this team right now. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast throughout a lot of the offseason. I just am not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with 32-year-old. Hasn't been good since 2015, Josh Norman, if he was healthy. And right now he's not healthy. It's a hamstring issue. I don't know how serious it is. But again, even if he doesn't have that, I have concerns about him. And I have concerns about Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace was a very good undrafted free agent surprise in 2018. I was not a big Levi Wallace fan, frankly, in 2019. I thought he regressed. But, I mean, credit to him, he did play better near the end of the year. But I'm not in love with either of those guys as a starter. But Teron Johnson is a good slot corner. He gets hurt all the time. Not sold on Teron Neal. So, after Trey White, the best one of the best corners without question in the NFL, I worry about that CB2 position a lot. Because whoever that guy is, when you got Trey White on the other side, you're going to get targeted a lot. Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, whoever it may be out there, they're going to go after that, man. They're going to go after him a lot. I like Terrence McGee a lot, getting back to him. Good player. Not just that, by the way. Also, a great kick returner, too. One of the best ever in Buffalo franchise history. So, as a little perk, a bonus, if you want to. You know, we're spending a lot of time arguing about should the Bills this year keep six or seven receivers. A lot of talent at that position. But one guy who's definitely staying is Andre Roberts, and that's strictly because of special teams. So if the Bills say they keep six, you know, the first three are obvious, and then you keep Davis and Roberts, that's five. If you keep in six, it comes down to Isaiah Hodgins, a rookie, or Isaiah McKenzie, or Duke Williams, or Robert Foster. We got that conversation going on right now. If they only keep six, who's that guy? Well, if you get rid of Andre Roberts, you would have another guy there because you'd have Terrence McGee returning kicks. If Terrence McGee was on this team, I would say that you can cut Andre Roberts. Anyway, so I got McGee at 13. Moving on. And I need to emphasize this before I say the name and, again, re-emphasize this. This is not a list of 1 through 15 most talented players during this drought. These are guys who I would pick in order, power ranked, to fit for this year's football team. And I preface that by saying number 12 on my list is Eric Moulds, wide receiver. Uh, I don't need to recite Eric Moulds' stats. You know that. You know him. I know him. They're great. He is the second best wide receiver in franchise history after Andre Reid. Some people, cough, cough myself, might even consider him the most talented receiver in franchise history. But anyway, worst case, this man is the second best receiver to ever play for the Bills. But here's the thing. Why do I only have him at 12? Well, again, you're taking a guy and you're putting him on this year's team. Wide receiver which is funny to say that because just two years ago, the wide receivers on the Bills were freaking pathetic. But right now, it's a strength of maybe one of the biggest strengths of this entire team. 
They already had two good receivers, and they showed that last year with John Brown and Cole Beasley. You didn't even need to have a quote-unquote number one. Both those guys are very effective. And then they did go out this offseason and trade for a number one receiver, Stephon Diggs. So you got Stephon Diggs. You got John Brown. You got Cole Beasley. You add Eric Moulds to the list. Who's that fourth receiver? John Brown had over a thousand yards last year and like 70 something catches. And he didn't even play the finale, by the way, because it was meaningless against the Jets. Had he played that game, and got him like, I think 40 yards receiving or something very small like that. He would have ended up being amongst the top 10 single season receiving yards in the franchise history of the Buffalo Bills. John Brown's a very good receiver, very dependable. I like him a lot. Is he going to be your fourth receiver? Why? And I like Gabriel Davis a lot, at least from what I'm reading. I mean, I haven't seen him play in the NFL yet. Kind of go back to the whole Zach Moss thing that you got to do it in the NFL. But on this team as it stands right now, Gabriel Davis is probably the fourth receiver. If Molds was on this team, well, then he becomes the fifth. So <laughs> talent-wise, Eric Molds would be top two or three. I promise you that. And in terms of a fit, taking one guy from the drought years and playing him right now, that's why he would rank low. And by the way, as I say that, I, I did say, and this was a mistake, I said I had two players on this list that actually played in a playoff game. It's three. Eric Moles is one of them. And he's at number 12 on this list. Number 11 is another guy who actually has played in a playoff game. And that's Kyle Williams. I got him at 11. Defensive tackle, of course. Long Bill's career and uh, many reasons why I would have him on this team. And especially, by the way, I, I I feel like, again, positional need matters. With Star opted out for this year. No Star, a little, little too delay. Uh, Kyle Williams would even be a better asset to this team. A leader, a grinder, very productive player. Him and Ed Oliver would be nice next to each other. It's not, defensive tackle isn't necessarily a position in need, even with Star not playing. But somebody like him could bring something to this roster right now. And again, the leadership thing is, uh, doesn't go unnoticed. So I have him at 11. I don't really need to explain a lot why. Ranked right above, and by the way, like I said, Kyle Williams did play in the, in the playoffs. Ranked number 10. Pat Williams, defensive tackle. Now, I do have him ahead of Kyle Williams. Uh, Pat Williams played from 97 to 2004. By the way, forget what I said. As I'm going through this list, God, I should, probably should have did my homework a little better. Because he also played in the playoffs. He played in the 99 playoffs. So, now we're up to four guys who did play. But anyway, again, the majority, the rule was three drought seasons. And Pat Williams played in, I think, six or seven drought seasons. Well, before the playoffs, he played in at least four after uh, their last playoff appearance. So anyway, Pat Williams definitely gets on my list. He's at number 10. Uh, same thing I said with Kyle Williams, but I think he's a better fit at defensive tackle. Dude was 6'3", 317 pounds, a big defensive tackle. He's a better star. That's what he is. Better star Latourley. That's what he is. In fact, I would go as far to say this, and I've said this before. I think Pat Williams is one of the more underrated players in franchise history. 
you hear lots of fans talk about some of the great players from you know the late 90s and the the 2000s you barely hear the the name Pat Williams and he should be on there one of the one of the best players anyway that's definitely a position where I could see him being on the list at number 10 number 9 I got Andy Levitre love that player offensive guard uh played with the Bills 2009 to 2012, former second round pick. Started every game during his Bills career. And I look at this year's roster and you you look at Andy Levitre, he is a clear-cut upgrade over even a healthy John Feliciano if you wanted to put him in at right guard. Or you can put him at left guard because it's better than Quinn in Spain too. So you're clearly upgrading. You're taking a player and you're clearly upgrading the 2020 roster right now. And with Feliciano out, my sold on Winters, my sold on Daryl Williams, I'd be sold on him. So anyway, that's why I would have him at nine. Then number eight, we're going to stay with the same position. Ruben Brown, offensive guard, played with the Bills from 95 to 2003. Now I will say this, no disrespect intended to Ruben Brown. I do think he was one of those guys who was a little bit overrated during his career. Made a nice name for himself and pretty much made the Pro Bowl at nine times. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler. Those are like Hall of Fame credentials if you go by Pro Bowls. That ain't nobody out there ever saying Ruben Brown should be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Again, no disrespect to him. He's a good player. He's on this list. A little bit overrated, but that said, again, just like I said with Levitre before him, a guard, I think the Bills could use an upgrade at guard. That would be very helpful with this year's team. And Ruben Brown is one of the better guards that's ever played for the Buffalo Bills. That's a pretty easy one. About halfway through here now. uh, I want to mention two guys who are not on this list. But they're very good players. And the only reason why is just because of the positions that they play. So two guys before I continue on with the second half of this list. I got Eric Wood. That's one. And London Fletcher is the other. I don't have Eric Wood on this list because as great as he was, and I trust me, nobody's a bigger Eric Wood fan than I am. Love Eric Wood. He's been on the show a couple times. One of my favorite guests. I've had wings with him. Great player. I freaking love Eric Wood. But they got Mitch Morris at center right now. He's one of the better centers in the NFL. Certainly he's the highest paid, or I think he is. I know he was at the time, the highest paid center in the NFL. They got Mitch Morris. I mean, I suppose technically you could put Eric Wood a guard, but you know what? He, he he made his bones in the NFL being a great center, but you already have one. It's the only reason literally why Eric Wood, again, now if this was a list of the top 15 players during the drought, Eric Wood would absolutely be on this list. You know what I'm saying? That's a no-brainer. But for this year, you want to take a guy and put him on this year's team? I can't put Eric Wood on this team because I already have Mitch Morse. That's one and then the other one, like I said, London Fletcher. I love London Fletcher. He was a great player for the Bills. One of my favorites. Um, in fact, he's an inspiration to my son. I tell I tell my son all the time about London Fletcher, in part because my son plays linebacker, and he's a very good linebacker, but he's short. He's only about 5'10". London Fletcher, I think, was like 5'9". Made a great NFL career. One of the few small, under 6 feet linebackers. Him, Sam Mills. There's only a couple of them that have had good NFL careers being that short. But anyway, as much as I love London Fletcher, dude, you got Tremaine Edmonds at middle linebacker. 
What are you gonna do with Leonard Fletcher? Leonard Fletcher would be on the team if I took him and put him on the 2020 Bills. He ain't even started. Tremaine Edmonds is starting. So I couldn't do that. So anyway, those are the two guys that are great talents that I couldn't put on this list. And continuing on, so I'm at number seven. And I went with Mario Williams. And I know this is going to be controversial because, again, going on that chat that I saw on the show with Joe Miller and Jay Spence, the King, there were a lot of people talking about Mario Williams being number one on their list. Seen some of them on Twitter, too, when it was discussed. But I only got him at number seven. He played with the Bills from 2012 to 2015. And look, his first three years, he was awesome with the Bills. 10 and a half, 13, 14 and a half sacks his first three years in Buffalo before shitty-ass Rex Ryan took over and completely fucked up that defense and Mario became an afterthought, started becoming a coverage linebacker. We all know that story there. Mario Williams was very good in Buffalo. Very good. Highest-paid player in NFL history or defensive player at the time. No, it wasn't like that talented to be that. But it was the right place, the right time for him. He got paid and he delivered in Buffalo. I liked him a lot. The reason why I don't have him higher, literally, there's one reason and one reason only. I just don't see that as a position of need compared to other stuff that I got coming up with the six guys in front of him. I like the Bills defensive end rotation right now. Basically, Mario Williams, Mario Williams is a better Mario Addison. Now, Addison hasn't put up quite those numbers, but Addison's had great sack numbers the last three years. So how much better is Mario Williams going to be than Addison compared to other guys that I could put on the roster at areas that I feel are more of, of need? So you got Addison, you still got Jerry Hughes, you got A.J. Epinesa, you got maybe Trent Murphy. I don't know. His time might be limited on this team. You got Quinton Jefferson who can play end or tackle. You got Daryl Johnson. So I, I think the defensive end is a pretty deep group. That's the reason why Molly Williams, if not number one, is not at least, you know, definitely top two or three for sure. So I got him at seven. And uh, this might raise some eyebrows. And then, by the way, again, I'd love to hear from you. Tweet at me, email me, whatever. Number six. I got Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback, 2010 to 2012. Um, <laughs> I, I could already, I'm, I'm laughing because I could see in my mind a lot of people bitching that I have Tyrod Taylor, an honorable mention, and I have Ryan Fitzpatrick all the way up at number six. Again, make no, and I keep saying this like a broken record here. This is not the top 15 drop players from the Bills. This is power ranking the top 15 players. If I could take one and put them on this year's team. Uh, Fitzpatrick, okay, stats. I mean, you know, he was good with Buffalo, really good for about half his tenure, and then he kind of fell off. But here's the reason, man. So we can spend an entire offseason talking about the Bills. We have many podcasts out there, radio shows they have. You can talk about Josh Allen's growth, and you could talk about Stephon Diggs, and you could talk about the offensive line continuity, although Feliciano's hurt. You could talk about how good this defense is, one of the best in the entire NFL. And it's all true. But deny it if you want. If you want to be in denial, do it. But God forbid, man, week one, week two, Josh Allen goes down, takes the wrong hit, tears his ACL, has a bad concussion, screws his shoulder up, something like that. I'm sorry, dudes. 
But that's a wrap. That is a wrap for 2020 if Josh Allen goes down with some kind of major significant season-ending injury. I see nothing in the face of this earth that tells me Matt Barkley is going to lead this roster to a 10-win, an 11-win season, make the playoffs, and do anything in the playoffs. Then I think this year's roster is built to compete. I don't necessarily think they're a favorite to win the AFC. I don't necessarily think they're going to win the AFC. But I do think without question that they're built to contend right now for an AFC championship and to go to the Super Bowl. But you ain't doing that shit with Matt Barkley. It's been my biggest um, pitfall for the entire offseason. I, I felt strongly that with all these veteran quarterbacks that had a lot of experience as starters hit the open market this year, that the Bills should have pounced on one of them. They had all the cap room in the world. You had James Winston out there. You had Cam Noonan out there forever. But the guy that I really wanted was Andy Dalton, and he ended up in Dallas. That would have been a guy I thought would have been perfect for the Bills because if Josh Allen goes down, Andy Dalton, with good talent around him, can still win you a lot of football games. And that's how I feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick, especially, again, this is going by what they did while they were in Buffalo. There was not a lot of talent around Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was here. The defense, eh, eh. Not a lot of talent. Well, guess what? We've talked about it. There is now. Ryan Fitzpatrick with a good cast around him. If Josh Allen were to go down in week one, I don't see any reason why a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick and his skill set couldn't win you 10 games. Again, with a great defense and with guys like Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley to throw to and Singletary and Moss to run the football and emerging Dawson Knox. So that's why I got Ryan Fitzpatrick ranked as high as I do because I think the quarterback position is of extreme importance. On number five, I'm going to go back to the cornerback position here, which is not going to be the last time either, but I got Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore played for the Bills 2012 to 2016. Uh, really was coming on. Made, made the Pro Bowl his last year in 2016. Of course, he signed a monster contract with New England that offseason. A big see from Bills fans. Don't blame him for that because the contract seemed really, at the time, excessive. And a lot of people considered him overpaid. But guess what? A lot of people consider Stephon Gilmore the best corner in the entire NFL right now. Now, even if you go by what he did in Buffalo, which is what I said is part of the criteria, a five-year starter, he had 14 interceptions. He was clearly becoming, if he wasn't already, a legitimate number one lockdown corner. I personally, and again, I know it's tough to say, and people don't want to hear that shit when he plays for New England now and went on to even bigger and better heights, but Stephon Gilmore was crazy un- underrated. Very taken for granted while he was here. Now, in part because, again, he was on teams that greatly underperformed. But, uh, you know, the reason why I don't even have him higher because he's not my highest corner on this list is he missed time every year except for his rookie year. He was banged up a lot when he was with Buffalo. It's the only reason why I don't have him higher. But yeah, Stephon Gilmore, just imagine, imagine a secondary right now. I know it's hard to do, but imagine a secondary right now with Stephon Gilmore, Trey White, Jordan Poyer, and freaking Mike Micah Hyde. Are you kidding me right now? I think the Bills have one of the best secondaries in the NFL right now with huge question marks at CB2. 
Just imagine Stephon Gilmore on that unit. So I got him at five. Number four, this I expect to be the biggest eyebrow raiser of all the guys I have on this list. You ready for this, folks? Number four, quarterback, Drew Bledsoe. That's right. I said it. Drew Bledsoe comes in at number four on my list. 2002 to 2004, three years with the Bills. Only, and to be fair, only 2002 was very good. That's the year he threw for like, I'm looking at the stats right now. 4,359 yards, 24 touchdowns. That team underperformed. Was not his fault though. Uh, When he was with the Bills, all right, so let's backtrack that a little bit. Again, I want to answer why. Why, 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 why? Why Drew Bledsoe so high? Because the same reasons I said when it just came to Ryan Fitzpatrick. If Josh Allen goes down, the ship goes down right now. I hate saying that. I know it's unpopular. I know fans don't like to hear that. And I know fans don't want to think about that. And I don't blame y'all. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Drew Bledsoe, when he was with Buffalo, he was only in his early 30s. He was old-ish. He was definitely not in his prime anymore. But he was a winner, all right? He is the perfect, if you look at this franchise, forget even just the drought years. I feel like if you look at the history of this franchise, after Jim Kelly, of course, if you could take any quarterback in terms of talent, you probably would say Drew Bledsoe, at least as of right now. Maybe Josh Allen will surpass that at some point. Maybe he already has. I don't know. But that's not, I don't want to debate that. But here's my point. If Josh Allen goes down, this is a guy who had, not just a ton of starting experience. Unlike Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's kind of been, even before he got to Buffalo, he was kind of a journeyman who always started as a backup and somehow, whether it was through playing well or through injuries, always ends up. If Ryan Fitzpatrick's on your squad, it don't matter if he's first, second, or third string, that boy is starting at some point for whatever reason. Drew Bledsoe is a straight-up number one starting quarterback until, of course, he got hurt and Tom Brady took over. But anyway... He took New England, I mean, they lost, but whatever. He's a Super Bowl quarterback. He got the Patriots to a Super Bowl, so he knows how to get a team there. And you look at the talent, and if you're old enough to remember Drew Bledsoe when he played with Buffalo, even as, like I said, that 2002 year when he had Eric Bowles at Perilous Price, that was just so much freaking fun to watch, man. But again, these receivers, I, I got to keep saying the names. Diggs and Brown and Beasley. And an emerging Dawson Knox with two good running backs. You got Drew Bledsoe slinging the rock? Hell, if you could take that and put him on the 2020 Bills, the bigger argument might be, well, who started? Josh or Drew? But even let's just say Josh is the guy. He's the man. He's the starter. He goes down. You know, I still feel really good about the Bills right now having an opportunity to win and compete for a championship with Drew Bledsoe. So that's why I got him at number four. Number three, we're going to slide back to the cornerback position. And I'm going to go with Antoine Winfield. He's my number three. He played from 1999 to 2003 with the Bills. Uh, He technically played in a playoff game. I think he was a rookie in 99. I know that. Uh, So yeah, five years with the Bills. Four years as a starter. Didn't produce a ton of turnovers. He only had six interceptions in his uh, time in Buffalo. That's not a lot by any means. But he was a great cover guy. One of those guys where... You look at the stat sheet and it never told the whole story. 
Great cover guy. Physical as hell. One of the more physical cornerbacks I could ever uh, remember watching. Very smart player. Didn't get beat a lot. Just very solid. Uh, Sean McDermott, man. Sean McDermott would love Antoine Winfield. What a great fit that would be. And again, I've been discussing it throughout this uh, segment. Why I would want a corner. Trey White, Antoine Winfield. Good luck, man. Good luck. You're not, you're not going to throw the ball successfully on those two guys. Down to the final two here. So at number two, one more time, I'm going to stay with corner. I have Nate Clemens. Now, I know a lot of people would have Antoine Winfield in that chat. I saw a lot of people saying they would pick Antoine Winfield. Totally understandable. Matter of preference, I guess. But I'm going to go with Nate Clemens. Uh, former first rounder. Six-year starter with the Bills. Playmaker. Nate Clemens was one of the better playmakers uh, defensively that this franchise actually has ever had. 23 interceptions he had during his six years. Four of those 23 picks he took back to the house. Uh, he forced five fumbles in 2004, 12 overall as a Bill. So this dude made plays. He made plays a lot. And again, with Trey White, as your one corner, you're probably going to get attacked. And when you get attacked, that's an opportunity to make plays. Now, a reason why, and again, understandable and a matter of preference, some people would take Antoine Winfield over Nate Clemens is because Nate Clemens wasn't exactly the most willing and engaging tackler in the history of the Buffalo Bills. Not by a long shot. Nope. Although he did lay the hell out of Tom Brady in a video that to this day, we still get a lot of enjoyment watching Literally knocked Tom Brady's helmet off. But overall speaking, Nate Clemens was not the physical corner that Antoine Winfield was. But again, a much, much bigger playmaker. So he's number two. Take Nate Clemens and put this on this team. God, that would be fun. But not, he's not number one. Number one, we've reached the end of this. Jason Peters, offensive tackle. No brainer for me. Played with the Bills from 2004 to 2008. Of course, he was a converted tight end. He wasn't even a tackle when he came into the NFL. Spent four years as a starter at left tackle. Pro bowler his last two years in Buffalo, of course. Ended up getting traded to Philly. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. By the time he left Buffalo and got dealt to Philly, he had become, without question, one of the best left tackles in all the NFL. That's a prime position to me. And... I got to say this too. I don't think that Deion Dawkins at left tackle is bad at all right now. I'm a pretty big Deion Dawkins guy. I was happy to see him get that extension. It was deserved. But Jason Peters, to me, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Now that's his entire career, including Philly. But even if you just go by the Buffalo perspective of his career, he's way better than Deion Dawkins. Let's just put it that way. Now it's not to... Say Deion Dawkins is not good. Let's take Deion. Let's move him to the right tackle position. Okay? We can slide Cody Ford inside. Or you can make Deion Dawkins a guard. Deion Dawkins is a good starting offensive lineman, no matter where he plays, if you were to take Jason Peters. But Jason Peters, a guy like him, you just can't pass that up, man. It's just, uh, that's a no-brainer to me. And some of you might not agree, but for me anyway, easily, if I could power rank 15 drought players during the Bills and take one of them and put them on this year's team right now without question 
it would definitely be Jason Peters. So there you go. That's a wrap for that. That's a wrap for this show. Thank you very, very much for listening. Again, I apologize, and I'm not doing any editing, ripping it and ripping it today. I appreciate you all. I really do. I just wanted to get through this episode. And uh, like I said, I'm going to take a break, man, clear my mind, get right over the next couple of days. Go see my daughter. It's been way too long since I've had an opportunity to do that. But again, I, I thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every single one of you out there taking your time to listen to this show. I know how many podcasts there are out there. There's a million of them. And if you're listening to this one, I, I, look, I don't take it lightly. I really don't. Very humble, very appreciative, very grateful for each and every single one of you out there. I really am. So thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Don't get sucked up into the world of negativity out there. Social media, family members, friends, talking negative shit, whoever it may be, man, just let it slide off your shoulder and live your life a little bit. Talk to you soon.